you know, sometimes I like to do something a little special when we're starting out the shows, especially when it's a little different. But sometimes the different just becomes mundane when we keep doing it every other week. Um, but even still, welcome, dear listeners, season two, episode nine of Sophia's Choice, a Golden your, Girls podcast. Your familiarity with the listeners, just adding the dear, I find it disconcerting. I, I think anybody that listens to us is a, a dear listener. I mean, I feel... I think anybody who listens to us is probably somebody who's dear to you, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> it, Anybody who listens to us, whether I've ever met them or not, is dear to me. Okay. And Statistically, <laughs> like 85% of our listeners are related to you in some manner. Right? No, that's not true. Like I said, we have 30-plus uh, what appear to be relatively dedicated listeners. Nice. Um, and I would have to say that out of that 30-plus, there's only legitimately two that I know are related to me. Mm-hmm. I suspect there's one or two that might be related to Ski. I don't think there are any that are related to you since I think the only person you know that knows about this outside of Ski and I's family Mm -hmm. is your wife. Um, So (laughs) She is not a fan. Right, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I would say that uh, the people who would be dear to me outside of the podcast Mm -hmm. would only be a very small handful. Um, Like I said, two to three, and there may be one or two that are dear to Ski. Mm -hmm. But inside the podcasting realm, each one of our listeners is dear to me. So and hey, if if uh, Dorothy can refer to rats and dogs as honey, I think mm-hmm. I can refer to listeners as deer. Okay, fair, <laughs> enough. fair enough. So as you've already heard, I'm being joined by my uh, friends Brent, hi, and Ski, hello, and I am Alan. And uh, you may have already guessed it, but uh, today we are going to deviate from. I don't know if you can even call it the norm anymore because it's becoming so commonplace, but mm-hmm. uh, from. But it's our, about to stop. Oh, okay. Well, at yeah. least we're going to deviate from our most common recapper, yeah. Ski, and uh, turn the recapping duties over to Brent once yeah. again. Um, so, or maybe we've got a couple more. I don't know. I'm sure. We'll end up with a few more here and there. Um, I, I have no doubt, but yeah. um, I don't know. Figure it out. Right now, this will be our third out of six that yeah. you've recapped, and yeah. I don't think that will continue in that uh, rate. Yeah. Ski is... Ski will definitely be our do the majority of our remaining episodes, um, as he's done the majority of our of our past ones. For he's better at it than I am. Uh, I, I think I, I will. I'll agree. I do think he's better at it, but I think that um, I think the episodes flow better as well. That's probably true. You Maybe know. the episodes are better with him. I don't know if he if is anything, specifically I think, better. I think but. you guys play off my like storyline better. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that we're better at zinging um and you're better at recapping no oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying when I, I i think i follow so much of the episode mm. that it's easier to pick off like specific lines and stuff oh i see i don't know i think that you uh, just don't give yourself credit because it's, it's hard to zing yourself um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you have a thankless job yeah so, and you do it very well um but today that thankless job will be going to brent instead as mm-hmm. we uh recap and review episode uh, joust between friends again season two episode nine mm-hmm. uh, we'll do the recap give our mvps out and uh, the number of slices of cheesecake uh, that we assigned mm-hmm. to this episode so yeah. go ahead and turn it over to brent hi <laughs> so um yeah joust between friends original air date december 6th 1986 um so as far as whenever I do the recaps, I like to, you know, mention what was happening in the world mm-hmm. on that date. And so um, December 6th, 1986 was actually the 88th 
and final uh, birthday of famed Swedish economist, sociologist, and Nobel Prize winner Gunnar Myrdal. Mm. So some fun facts about Gunnar, um, besides the fact that he's Swedish. Um, Great name. Yeah. So while attending Stockholm University, he was taught by famed economist Gustav Cassell, ah. another Swede, um, who was, you know, Gustav was best known for uh, raising the idea of purchasing power parity, mm. um, which is basically comparing apples to apples when figuring out how much stuff costs in various countries. Um, and that was referenced in John Maynard Keynes, not Swede, article on monetary reform back you, in 1923. Do you think that Weird Al ever did purchasing power parity by any chance? <laughs> purchasing power parity? parity? Yeah. <laughs> I like to think so. Um, but Gustav, uh, Professor Gustav, told student Gunnar um, to be more respectful of his professors because they were going to be the ones deciding if he passed. And Gunnar said that the professors needed to be more respectful toward the students because they were going to be the ones who wrote their obituaries. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Gunnar was sort of a badass back in college. Yeah, definitely. Is that really what you call getting the last laugh? <laughs> I assume, yeah. <laughs> so uh, during World War II, uh, famed Swede Gunnar Myrdal was staunchly and publicly anti-Nazi. So good for him on being the right side of history. Yeah, definitely. With his wife, Alva, he wrote uh, The Contact with America in 1941, which praised the United States democratic institutions. And his 1944 book, An American Dilemma, was a 1,500-page essay on the obstacles that prevented people of color from fully participating in American society. And it guided race relations in the United States for years, and the Supreme Court cited it in their Brown versus Board of Education ruling, which outlawed racial segregation. Man, so, he was all about progressive ideas. Well, that's yeah. pretty impressive, too. I mean, granted, uh, you know, other countries were progressive much more mm-hmm. quickly than ours, yeah. you know, is, and is still, you know, hopefully becoming. Um, but it is impressive that uh, you can look at somebody from, what, 40 years ago um, <laughs> that could see pretty clearly the mm-hmm. difficulties that our society was yeah, having. Um, exactly. So I'd like to thank a Swede for solving all our racial issues. <laughs> yeah. Everything's so. like completely solved now. We're Thumbs in- up, everybody. Exactly. So. Mission accomplished. Congratulations, uh, Gunnar. You are my second favorite Swede. Does he get uh, the character of the, the, the episode? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no. So, so do I, should I assume that Numi is still number one? Correct. Okay. Correct. Good. Numi is my all-time favorite Swede. Uh, Gunnar Myrdal is my second most favorite Swede. Um, Gunnar solved racism. Um, yeah. That Numi is... justifies this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, directed by Terry Hughes. Uh, it was his 18th episode of the 108 that he would direct. And again, first five seasons, he did 86% of the episodes. Uh, it should be noted, too, that... Um, 33 years after this episode mm-hmm. premiered, Ski and I were both experiencing uh, Galaxy's Edge and Disney World together. Oh, you guys were there December 6th? Mm-hmm, that's nice. correct, yeah. And that was the uh, that's the only time that Ski and I have been... Well, I, I was going to say the only time the two of us have been out of the state together without anybody else, but that wouldn't be true because actually <laughs> uh, we went to Chicago one night. We skipped work. We were working uh, overnight at the... Um, at the time, it was the RCA Dome. Now it's the Lucas Oil Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, little convention center. You just yeah, said. and the convention center as well. Um, Indianapolis Convention Center. And I had, I don't know, I was having a rough night. I don't know, Sherry and I had gotten in an argument or something of that nature. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to go to work tonight. Um, 
And somehow or another, we came to the conclusion <laughs> that we should just drive to Chicago in the middle of the night. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. More or less. Yeah. Um, I think we saw the Michael Jordan statue, uh, ate at Dunkin' Donuts or something similar to that, yeah. and then drove back. So. Nice. <laughs> nice. So you really think Lucas Oil is like like the version of RC, the RCA dome, like it's two totally separate things. Well, yeah, it is two totally separate things, but I guess the RCA dome no longer exists at all. Correct. And the function that it existed primarily for is now taken by Lucas oil. So that's, I guess why I make that. Okay. Uh, yeah. The Colt stadium. Was, yeah. Okay. And my guess, I could be 100% wrong on this, but my guess is that there are probably that the two of them are probably still linked in a way that, I would think that there may still be workers that work for, because it's a, a facility that's only used, you know, or not only used for the football mm-hmm. games, but primarily used. Yeah, primarily used for that. And so there's a lot of downtime there. So mm-hmm. it would be difficult to have full-time crew there mm-hmm. just for the football stuff, just like with the I'm pretty sure there's center. still all kind of underground tunneling. That yeah, probably so. So, yeah, so that's, uh, I, I think the two are still intertwined, even though they're on different sites. Um, they're only down the street from each other. Yeah. So. Yeah, but fair enough. Anyway, so written by Scott Spencer Gordon. Um, he bounced around a bit, uh, but later had a successful run doing Saturday morning tween shows like Saved by the Bell, The New Class, Hang Time, and City Guys. Nice. So those were like in your guys' era, right? City Guys and Hang Time? Uh, the, neither of them ring a bell, so you'd mm-hmm. have to tell me the uh, the years. <laughs> ring but... a bell. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's fine. Saved but... by the Bell. So, um, Two. <laughs> well, the later years, right? Yeah. That was, was like the that was like the branch off show, right? Yeah, there was Saved by the Bell, Saved by the Bell of college years, and then Saved by the Bell the new class. Oh, oh okay. So, I, well, actually, I, in, I'm sorry. So, before those, going in reverse chronological order, we would have <laughs> Saved by the Bell the new class, Saved by the Bell the college years, Saved by the Bell Good Morning Miss Bliss. Oh, okay. Which was what it was saved by the bell was the first season so interesting and it uh, took place in like the first season good morning miss bliss um it was in indiana and then in season two they were in bayside california oh wow i didn't know that yeah now were you a big saved by the bell fan uh somewhat yeah. see i never i i, I watched enough episodes that i know the characters yeah, and whatnot yeah. <laughs> but it never was something that i got particularly into um mm-hmm. i know that uh our, Our friend, friend James, James yeah, huge he, he's fan. practically yeah. an honorary Bayside Tiger himself. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, you know, Screech is my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I think Sherry at a boat show um, saw Mark Paul Gosling. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think she uh, got to meet him at a boat show and was mm-hmm. very underwhelmed by his appearance in real life versus yeah. his uh, appearance. What, what year was this? Well, let's see. It would have been a boat show she went to with her. I would assume with her dad. Um, prior to us being together it would have had to be probably in the early 90s would be my guess really? like 90 somewhere between you know so mark paul was going through his awkward early to mid years. 90s yeah something like that gotcha. so yeah. but anyways so okay. i guess you know maybe he just didn't get gussied up for the boat show <laughs> he, did not, he did not um but you have to you know like if you want to be the goat, you gotta. Or you have to that. bring it every time. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to be the goat, dress up for the boat. Exactly. Show. Exactly. So, all right. Act one, scene one, living room. Um, so Rose pulls into an empty two-car driveway rather fast. Uh, she slams the car to a complete stop and immediately opens the door to get out, but we don't actually see her. 
Uh, since we know the Goldens use their garage for storing old junk and breeding minks and Blanche is <laughs> at home, the implication is that um, homeowner Blanche is a street parker. <laughs> and so, it's like a blue two-door Oldsmobile, it looks like. Something, yeah. yeah, Not something she would have purchased off Blanche. Probably know. not. <laughs> well, so. we know those streets are kind of narrow because they haven't been able to uh, widen them mm-hmm. since the tree got saved and all. Exactly. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, so she's taking her, well... Did Blanche end up keeping the uh, the more expensive vehicle that she wanted? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she definitely has a vehicle okay. of some sort. Yeah, okay. but we don't know though if she ended up keeping the you know BMW or whatever it was yeah, that she purchased. Um, so, but whatever it is, I mean, she's parking it on the street, and I guess because Dorothy later arrives, so either she takes the other spot in the driveway or she also parks on the street. Okay, but at the very least, even if they did clean out the garage or whatever. Then when Dorothy gets home, either she parked in the street or they've totally blocked in Blanche, who is already home. Oh, okay. You know? Well, I don't know. I guess if you have three people living in the same house, yeah, then somebody's got to be parking on the street. Mm -hmm. Unless you park really far back in the driveway. Well, Um, the driveway did look long, too, though. It was was fairly long. So I I suppose that theoretically you could park far enough back that someone Mm -hmm. could back out and angle around. But it'd be a pain in the ass for sure. Yeah. So maybe Maybe... Blanche invested in a go-go gadget car. Maybe so she did. <laughs> Maybe she did. Come a little out of the garage and then just, you know, pop those wheels up. And <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, Rose brings a dog, um, episode MVP Inky, into the living room. Uh, they're ni- neither Sophia nor Blanche are too impressed with the dog, but they just punt on the decision to keep it since they know Dorothy won't allow any animal in the house that cannot be turned into a coat. Uh, Rose adopts an adorable voice when she's speaking on behalf of Inky. You thought her voice, her inky voice was adorable? I did. Oh. I did. I found it to be kind of grating, personally. Oh, no, I was a big fan of it. I was a big fan of it. She does She does drag it out the entire episode, too. She does. She commits to the bit. Do you think you should have an IMDb page if um, you've only had one credit? Oh, yeah, definitely. So you feel like Inky is deserving of his IMDb page? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that IMDb should be, like, considered the official repository of okay. all Everything. screen appearances. Yeah. I was, uh, I don't know, when he, when he first came in, I was like, oh, is that Buck from Married to Children? Uh, um, yeah, but yeah. no, unfortunately, this was his only acting credit. Mm-hmm. He was I, a well-trained dog. Can, yes. It almost surprised me. He only got one credit in his mm-hmm. career, if you yeah. thought. I thought he was from, like, Punky Brewster. Mm. You know, did yeah. they have a big dog like that? I think so, but I don't remember if it was exactly like that. Um, did Fraggle Rock, was that yes. a real dog? Or a, yeah, it did look like yeah. that. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if the Fraggle Rock dog was as well trained as this one. I think the Fraggle Rock dog was also a puppet. Oh, really? See, I couldn't remember if it was I, a puppet or a real dog. I want to say it was a, it was a pup or a muppet, I guess technically. Yeah. I don't know. Well, then I guess he would have been very well trained. <laughs> <laughs> as a parting shot, uh, Blanche tells Rose of the consequences should one of her rugs be mitterated upon, um, and that was my favorite. You know, that she was going to rub rub yeah. Rose's snows in it. Exactly. She did. I thought that was yeah. pretty harsh, honestly, <laughs> but um, so. harsh but fair. And Rose seemed to think it was fair yeah, also. Yeah, exactly. So. She did. So Dorothy, um, you know, recently returned from the Caribbean, comes home to complain about her lack of employment. Um, apparently the new year-round school schedule that Dade County has implemented has given her 10 weeks of unpaid leave. Uh, she seems upset that employers don't want to hire a post-retirement age woman to work a job for two months. Uh, Dorothy and Blanche agree that they'll work together at the museum. Dorothy then discovers that Rose has brought a dog home from the market, but they soon agree that Inky can stay the night. Don't you think that they would have... Um, What's going on? Oh, just a, a 
want to make sure that we're getting to hear your recap. Uh, okay. But don't you feel like that um, there would be like yeah. manpower or some other type of mm-hmm. place? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely the dog on Bragg Reich was, was a Muppet. <laughs> but I feel like there would be a, a temp agency that you could go to as opposed yeah. to going door to door at businesses to try to get um, mm-hmm. hired on for the two months. Yeah, essentially a full-time job for just a little while. Right, yeah. Agreed. But I don't know. I guess maybe uh, maybe Miami doesn't have such uh, programs back in 1986. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's seven. one of those things that, I mean, it's a it's a temporary thing, and it sucks and everything, but we know that she still gets alimony from Stan. Right, yeah. Plus, she should be receiving some sort of, a, you know, social security or whatever. Maybe. Well, you think she can get unemployment during that time, too. Yeah. Um, because generally, if there's, like, a layoff, that's one of the things that unemployment's there yeah. for. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like there was plenty of avenues for uh, Dorothy to get her nut, but uh, she chose, chose none of the above. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, you know, Dorothy and Blanche are interviewing uh, for the job and um, with Mr. Allen. I'm sorry, Act 1, Scene 2, Mr. Allen's office. Uh, Dorothy and Blanche are interviewing. Mr. Allen's distracted. Uh, we find out that when he's not hanging art, he's banging art's wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did think that was interesting that uh, art is part of his life in many ways. Exactly. Uh, he's a man surrounded by art. Well, Can't he's... get away from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that little story. You know, of course, he makes it sound initially like he walked in on his wife. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, what's the way? It's not every day that you walk in on your wife having sex mm-hmm. with your best friend. Yeah. And uh, didn't expect his best friend. I don't know. He, we get the impression that Alan is a real piece of shit right from the very or Mr. <laughs> Alan. Yeah. Right we from do. the beginning. Um, <laughs> it only gets worse. <laughs> yeah, it, definitely. Well, it gets worse because we don't understand his intentions initially. <laughs> but no, um, it's all bad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because you're. Uh, your lines in the sand are. Um, <laughs> so. Now, I had suggested to you before that um, for your recap, since you're a little more rapid fire, to mm-hmm. maybe take a, a, a brief break in between acts so okay. that we can comment on anything that was skimmed okay. over. So I'm going to backtrack to just a well, couple we're things. We're still in act one. So, so in between scenes, you want to uh, take a break? I guess I'm not sure where the act break is, so then maybe so, I'm being unfair uh, with that. Act one, scene one was living room. Scene two was Mr. Allen's office. Scene three was the kitchen. Scene four was the art museum. And then we have the act break. So that was all act one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, then I, I... Golden Girls typically do um, a two-act structure, mm-hmm. and occasionally they have a button at the end. Okay. So. Hmm. Well, then I, I, I take that back. Maybe maybe we should take a brief pause in between scenes, uh, right. just so we're not going too far back. Right. So before we talk about that piece of shit, Mr. Allen, <laughs> we'll hear from a different piece of shit named Allen. <laughs> Mr. Allen to you. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I thought there was a, a line in there, I think, that um, you know, apparently uh, Sophia had wanted... Uh, Dorothy to take another path in her professional mm-hmm. life, yeah. uh, going into the nunhood instead. Yeah, the nunnery. Yeah, and I did like that she said, it's steady work, they provide the uniform, and you're married to God, uh-huh. and, and he's, he's home, home every, every night, night yeah. for dinner or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. I thought that was a, a fun line that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy, I don't remember if it was... I don't think it had started up quite this early, um, but we get through several lines where she has... Great comebacks throughout mm-hmm. this entire episode. Yeah. I felt like that was yeah, a real I agree. strong suit. The bit about the stew meat, I thought was funny. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, couldn't she just get stew meat like she usually does? Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. Instead of having the dog, exactly. You're yeah. rolling a pork, right? Well, then she mentions too about um, 
I think she asked Sophia, now this isn't a Dorothy line, this is a good Sophia line, but she asked Sophia if she can believe it, you know, referring, of course, to Rose bringing home a dog. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think Sophia replies something like, nah, I saw her lips move yeah. um, as she's doing her <laughs> Yeah, I thought that, that was a great line as well. Deba debatably hey, adorable. Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is kind of similar to, you know, my daughter, I mean, our, our family dog is a lab, but she definitely favors my daughter more than anyone mm -hmm. else. Yeah. And um, that is kind of similar to the voice that I use for yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you got any food? I'll take some food. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I guess maybe I'm adorable also, at least in your eyes. <laughs> 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 not as long as your name is Mr. Allen. Well, yeah, apparently not. Just, you know, apparently I'm a real prick. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now I guess the question you guys have to ask is which one of you are my best friend? <laughs> so. I thought it was Ski. Uh, probably, but I've known him longer, <laughs> in fairness. So. But, um, well, I just meant because, you know, that would be the person, I guess, who I would not expect to be home. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> in this analogy. Or, gotcha. But. Anyways. <laughs> so, so you're saying if you were banging one of our wives, it would be skis? Well, I mean, I'm just saying if we're going specifically by best friends, I'm not well, going to pick one wife or the other. Well, he just knows I never come home at lunch. No. <laughs> well, the, the truth is is that um, the odds that I would end up at Ski's house when his wife is home mm -hmm. are so so slim Real? anyway. <laughs> yeah. If I spent more time in Tennessee than I would have, <laughs> that, that possibility would become... Chances would increase. Exactly, yeah. So she's probably got dual citizenship between... Yeah. Like when you guys do taxes, or if you guys do taxes, um, <laughs> does she have to claim? <laughs> well, we don't own property there. So oh, okay. So then you're still okay and, there. And she definitely doesn't do any work while she's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least nothing for, for yeah. money. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nicole is definitely the type who tries to work the system. So whatever the system may be. <laughs> but yeah, it's not something that you have to claim on your taxes. So They do say that's going to be a problem this year for some people. Um because income taxes, you know, you pay that in the state in which you do the work. And so many people are working remotely oh. that they're working, you know, they normally like they would pay income tax. Like they travel to New York City, but they live in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. or whatever. But normally they would pay income tax in New York. But now they're working from home in Pennsylvania. So they have to pay dual income taxes. And like it'll end up being the exact same amount. It may be slightly different because of tax rates. Oh, sure. But it's like filing multiple forms with multiple states and all that sort. I so. never even thought about that. Yeah, that's a, an interesting dilemma that will come apart, come mm -hmm. about this year for the yeah. first time, you know, in 100. Well, yeah. 100 years ago, people probably weren't, uh, yeah. you know, working. Mm -hmm. There was no remote working. Yeah, um, yeah. So. But, yeah. Um, and I think even like at the for here in Indiana, I think at the county level, it's yeah. different. So if you're working remote outside the Marion County line, you might have something different than if you're working inside. Yeah, it's interesting. I live in Johnson County, but I work in Bartholomew County, yeah. so I don't know which one I'll, I'll need to claim on that. That's yeah. my locality. Sorry, though. Go ahead with that. Okay. So you've said your piece on scene one? Yeah, I guess so. Uh -huh. so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so scene two, Mr. Allen's office, you know. Mr. Allen's distracted, oh, all yep. that sort. Um, so Mr. Allen was played by a Reed Shelton. Um I know in certain corners, you know, he's known as the guy who was nominated for Broadway's 1977 Tony Award for Best Actor musical mm -hmm. for his portrayal of Daddy Warbucks and Annie. So, but around these parts, um, <laughs> he's known slightly differently. Um, he's known as the man who shares a birthday with my third favorite Swede, Joseph Hillstrom. Oh, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> October 7th. Um, so, Joseph Hillstrom... Uh, 
more commonly known as Joe Hill, was a famed Swedish labor activist, songwriter, and a member of the Industrial Workers of the World, a.k.a. the Wobblies. <laughs> uh, he coined the phrase pie in the sky in his song, The Preacher and the Slave. Um, you know, he spent 36 years on this planet uh, writing songs and defending the working man before being shot by a firing squad in Salt Lake City for a crime he likely didn't commit. Wow. So, That's yeah. an interesting life. Yeah. After his execution and per the wishes of his final lyrics, he you was... You say Salt Lake City? Yeah. Was so, that a big firing squad area back in the day? <laughs> back in 1915, it was. It was actually November 19th, 1915. Um, November 19th is my birthday and Tom Billard's. <laughs> Very nice. Who played Rick. And that's when he was killed was that day? Or <laughs> yep. he, he on November 19th. Executed, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yep. Firing squad. Um, but like they were like, ready, aim. And then he yelled back, fire already. <laughs> <laughs> so he was badass at the end, too. Well, so That's um, the way to go out right there. Yeah. yeah, I think if I ever committed a crime, you know, obviously, like, maybe I would fight it if I didn't commit the crime, of course. But mm-hmm. had I committed a crime worthy of being put to death, mm-hmm. I think I would be the type who I would just be like, yeah, I'm not even going to fight this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go through some prolonged appeals yeah. process. Just get it over with. Yeah. Um, and I would probably a- attempt suicide in my cell if I felt mm-hmm. like it was taking too long <laughs> to yeah. get the job done by, yeah. you know, whatever other means. Um, so, but. but, um, after his execution and, you know, per the wishes of his final lyrics, he was cremated. Um, but they didn't just give him the Celia Rubenstein treatment. Uh, they put his ashes in 600 envelopes and mailed them to various wobblies around the world. Um, so they could complete his poem and spread his ashes in the wind. Oh, wow. Um, it's a lot to go through for somebody who was put to death. Exactly. But here's the, uh, the part that kind of rubs me wrong. So, um, you know, the 600 people, not everybody, like, followed through with his wishes and released his ashes into the wind. And so every couple of years, they turn up another envelope full of his ashes. Oh. Um, and so some people just get together and eat them. Um, you say then, eat them? Yeah. Like ingest? Yes. Huh. Um, and then wash it down with some beer as a tribute to him. Yum. So it just seems like that's not what he wanted. Yeah. He didn't say, eat my ashes. He was like, <laughs> spread them in the wind. So So do you think that uh, his whole story is what the whole song Dust in the Wind is based off of? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyways, thank you, Joe Hill, for you know everything you did for the working man <laughs> and for having a badass death. <laughs> that, that is definitely a spectacular way to go out. So. And for being my, you know, third most favorite Swede. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Coveted spot. Get the bronze. Mm-hmm. So. As long as you're on the podium. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, like, between him and Gunnar, you know, and Gustav, um, I, I didn't research Numi. Um, but, you know, I'm looking for famous Swedes associated with dates associated with this episode. Right. And it was just a big old rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it was the dude from Ace of Base. Um, he shares a birthday or something with somebody. Um, I didn't know there was a dude in Ace of Base. Yeah, it was two guys, two girls. Um, but the dude who has a birthday that's somewhat affiliated with this, whatever, um, he was a neo-Nazi for oh. a while. And I was oh. like, well, I'm not going to mention a bad Swede. <laughs> yeah, I guess he saw the wrong sign, didn't he? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then um, in the 1979 NHL draft, the dude who was drafted 109th, um, <laughs> he was a famous Swede. Um, and he had a 26-year career. And he scored like 636 goals um, for a Winnipeg. 
And then oh, he okay. retired and he became a city councilman there in Winnipeg. <laughs> so I was going to mention, you know, Mr. Steve Tanner. Steve Tanner. Like, I was wondering, like, if you're going to mention the name and if I would know who it is. And yeah. You did, and I don't. Yeah. So. <laughs> Basically, the reason why I didn't go Is that, that Danny's route. brother? Yeah, yeah. Danny? Yeah, the <laughs> fictional character, Danny Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> His name wasn't Swedish enough for me to <laughs> mention him. So I was like, oh, I'll go with Joe Hillstrom like and Gunnar and Gustav. And this, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So better Swedes. So. Maybe it's pronounced Taner. Mm-hmm. Taner. <laughs> <laughs> So, right. anything else for uh, scene two you want to mention? Well, that that was, I think, the first, maybe the first, at least the first one that I noted specifically of a great Dorothy comeback where, you know, he is, Mr. Allen is barely paying attention uh-huh. to that. And yeah. I think he says, like, yeah, I don't care, whatever, when it comes to hiring yeah. her on for the position. And mm-hmm. she says, thank you, Mr. Allen. I hope I can live up to your expectations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was, like I said, the first of several mm-hmm. excellent comebacks. Um, or at least the first Yeah, one of her comebacks is actually my favorite line. Oh, so. okay. well, we'll get to that one, hopefully, cool. shortly. So, here's, yeah. here's Scene done, by all means. Head on to the next one. <laughs> Scene three's in the kitchen. Uh, it's roughly a week later, and Inky still hasn't left. Um, it's given one more day. Uh, Blanche enters and her and Dorothy discuss Mr. Allen, always giving him the same respect they denied Mr. Coco. Right. So that's sort of scene three. Okay. Well, then that one also leads to another uh, another great Dorothy comeback. I think that Sophia says something like that any idiot can do the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dorothy says, uh, stop bragging, Ma. You're only saying that because I'm your daughter. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah, she gets... I wish that that's how Dorothy always responded to insults. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't uh, yeah. frequently enough in the series, but this episode, whoever's in that writing room must have been one of their favorite jokes, and, and I mm-hmm. thought it hit the mark every time. Well, yeah. that's, that's the scene where uh, Mr. Allen calls, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you start seeing the seeds kind of planted for uh, mm-hmm. Blanche and starting to get a little bit jealous of yeah. Dorothy, too, I think, there. Yeah. You can start seeing it in her eyes, her yeah. attitude. Yeah, and it just seems odd to me that even when they're talking about him, when he's not there, it's Mr. Allen. Yeah, and they yeah. almost are there. Based on the way he's introduced mm-hmm. as such a piece of crap, they have yes. a, a pretty high level of reverence for him. They really do. Yeah. It, it just seems like... Undeserved. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he seems kind of like generally like an asshole on the boss front, mm-hmm. but then he also sleeping with his best friend's wife, so he's a shitty person on mm-hmm. the human front as well. Exactly. So Yeah. As, yeah. He's still Mr. Allen, and, you know, Coco was just Coco, and not the Mr. Coco. <laughs> we well, Ski tried to give him his proper respects, but... Oh, I still call him Mr. Coco. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. As often as I can. Don't I? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I'd say that you've carried that through pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Maybe today we can end with uh, Stay Old, Mr. Coco. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was going <laughs> to throw that in at the end of my recap. Sorry, I'll ah. shut up. It's okay. No, it's fine. Didn't want to ruin it for you. No, it's fine. I'll think of something else. Um, so act one, scene four, um, art museum. And that's like traditional art museum, not a museum dedicated to, you know, a dude whose wife's a philanderer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Sophia stops by to visit Dorothy, uh, brings her some lunch, uh, based upon the size of the bag. Would it Dorothy's be a philanderer? Sorry, would it be a philanderer or a flander, flanderess? Uh, I don't know. Well, that's what I'm going to refer to it Flanders. for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not, but I'm still, mm-hmm. I, I prefer that word. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was um, if it was forced upon her, would it be a flanderous under duress? 
It could be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, no, that wouldn't be fair. I mean, are you saying that the sex was forced upon her? Yeah. No, then she's just a victim. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, that's is just called rape. Not, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, there's there's been some questionable um, uh, views and opinions expressed by you over the course of this podcast. <laughs> but I think that. Uh, jest. <laughs> well, yeah, certainly. I mean, you're, you're a pretty woke guy in actual life. But. Um, but I would definitely say that referring to a, a rape victim as a philanderist <laughs> would be one of your most more, more questionable views. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even call that a questionable view. I think we can we, we know the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I, the disclaimer up front says that the views expressed are expressly ours and not those of our sponsors. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I think then we need to include that the views expressed are expressed are uh, expressly those of the person expressing them and not the other pod me- podcast <laughs> members. So. Fair enough. Yeah, we need to distance ourselves as much as uh, necessary. Exactly. I-, I like the fact that you're throwing my opinions under the bus, mm-hmm. and yet last week I was telling you, it's like, well, if you guys want Laramie cigarettes, that's fine with me. I'll... <laughs> I was willing to hitch my wagon to your opinions, but not. you're not going to return the favor. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I... You were doing it, though, number one, under a, demo- a democratic process, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Okay. And number two, for money, which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and number three, uh, what would be the word I'm looking for? Um, under imaginary circumstances. So yeah. you were offering to endorse the cigarettes in a world that doesn't actually exist. Correct. So. <laughs> Correct. Not, not like the real world situation we're talking about on the there. Golden Girls. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on this fictional show. <laughs> this is a documentary, right? The entire series of the Golden Girls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, it's just um, you know, a highlight reel for the Friends and Best Friends Good Health right. Best Friends Award. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in that room would be dead by the end of the... Uh, <laughs> exactly. The reel. But. So, anyways, Sophia stops by, gives Dorothy a rotisserie chicken for lunch. Uh, Mr. Allen comes out, and Sophia assumes he's either gay or sex-crazed. She's half right. Um, Once Dorothy gets Sophia out of the museum, Mr. Allen tells Blanche that he's letting Dorothy run the upcoming banquet. Um, It's an assignment that um, only a part-time temp can pull off. Right. So, Act 1 ends with uh, Blanche telling a caller that Dorothy was arrested on a morals charge. Uh, given that the options include prostitution, solicitation, soliciting a child under 18 years of age for any immoral act involving sex, possession or sale of narcotics, marijuana, amphetamines or barbiturates, rape, incest, gambling, illegal cohabitation, adultery, bigamy, or a crime against nature. I'm going to assume it was the crime against nature and the victims were defenseless minks. Mm, I'm, I'm going to say it was a uh, sale of drugs because in the very first scene, mm-hmm. when uh, Dorothy says something about having a hard time finding a job, she mentions mm. that it, the only jobs that were available were <laughs> selling cocaine. Right. So apparently she was applying. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think she brought it back from the Caribbean. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> so her and Rick got a side hustle. Yeah, exactly. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah there, there was one other line. Grown on island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you got to get that seed money to put those heads on pikes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. helping the revolutionaries. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, you know, good... Let's be honest, though. Dorothy, being a middle-aged white woman, mm-hmm. would have gotten Being a, playing fast and loose with middle-aged. Well, <laughs> fine. But, uh, 
I guess it depends on how far middle aged goes. Um, how long? Fa- how long did she live? Um, I don't know offhand, I, but I would say B. she's Arthur. elderly. Elderly. <laughs> yeah. Well, so wouldn't you? I don't think she's elderly. I don't know if she's middle aged, but elderly. I think she's got to be in her sixties. In that series, you think she was in her sixties? Well, I mean, she was married for thirty eight years. That ended five years ago, so that's forty three years plus eighteen at the age of marriage. Yeah, I mean, even if she got married a little prior to that, then yeah, I guess she would have been sixty. Well, let's so. let's not pretend that their timeline. Ever yeah, the timelines have always <laughs> been fast and loose, but uh, I think Brent's being a little too uh, truthful to, yeah. the, to how they. Uh, well, anyway, that's neither here nor there. I'll, I'll, I'll concede that um, mm-hmm. middle age would probably be. I, the, the point of it was that uh, under her circumstances, even if she got picked up with the large amount of cocaine, she probably would have still been released <laughs> on her own reconnaissance mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and then given a warning at yeah. the end of it. But anyway, there was one other line in that. that well, uh, I'm sorry, but I guess if she's dealing drugs, odds are she was dealing it to her students. Oh, so yeah. it would fall under the morals charge. Right. That's true. <laughs> well, uh, either way. Yeah. So I yeah. guess you'd have both avenues. Um, yeah. But no, I like your crimes against nature. We'll, we'll assume that it's that for her. Yeah, man, those minks. Yeah, and who knows if they have li- You'd have to have a license, I would assume, to mm-hmm. raise and kill minks. Yeah, or, or any other, you know, animal of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways. Maybe that's I, what happened to Inky. Inky, yeah, probably <laughs> so. Um, and then all of his, uh, you know, friends later on in the episode. <laughs> but anyways, I, I did like the line that uh, the... Mr. Allen was talking about taking Sophia around to see the Gogans, and she said that she was married for 45 years and never mm-hmm. saw her husband's Gogans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I thought, so in 45. A pair, a pair of Gogans. Yeah, a pair of Gogans, that's right. <laughs> and uh, so I would have to assume that she would mean his testicles, mm-hmm. and 45 years, and having never, I mean, I guess, I guess theoretically, mm-hmm. you know, you could have a relationship that had regular intercourse with the lights off and you would never see, mm-hmm. you know, the the man parts. Uh, <laughs> but it does seem... She doesn't she, seem that conservative of a person that yeah, would no, be yeah. concerned for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she already saw probably, you know, uh, her partner from the last episode's Gogans. Uh, <laughs> oh, does she run? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> but anyways, so... I digress. That's what we do. <laughs> so, anything else before we go to Act Two, Scene One? No, I think we're set. All right. Um, so, Act Two, Scene One starts off in Dorothy's bedroom, and then we go to the kitchen. So, Dorothy wakes up to an inky spot in her bed. Uh, she goes to the kitchen, discovers that Rose is doing the dog voice even when the dog's not present. Uh, once Rose leaves, Blanche enters. Her and Dorothy exchange words. Dorothy decides she's not going back to bed and pours herself a cup of coffee. Uh, Blanche is upset with Dorothy because she has spent the past five years wearing low-cut blouses, going out of a way to show off her hiney, and letting herself be groped by Mr. Allen at the office parties. And she's upset because this didn't earn her the same amount of respect that Dorothy earned in a week of actually working. So Rose returns with Hinky, and after Dorothy and Blanche leave, uses the dog voice to badmouth them behind their backs. Yeah, that was a great a great line and a surprising line. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard them say any cuss word on the show to this point, but yeah. um, especially yeah. coming from Rose. Yeah, I know uh, that would, that made it all the better. But yeah, yeah uh, don't explain Rose. I used to live with a couple of bitches myself. Um, now I guess she is using it in a in the term that would be the yeah. non cuss word. <laughs> well, it was the dog saying right. it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was just channeling Inky. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. So he was the one with the potty mouth. Right, not Rose. Uh, <laughs> certainly not our sweet, innocent Rose. But, but yeah, that was an excellent line. Um, 
there was another thing which I wish I don't know. Maybe this was a little later in the episode. So yeah, I think that's all that I had. All okay. I had for that one. So you can head on to the next scene. Cool. So um, Act Two, Scene Two's back at um, Arts Museum. So Dorothy and Mr. Allen discuss the upcoming banquet, and the audience learns that it's in tribute to Blanche for letting Mr. Allen grope her at five consecutive Christmas parties. Blanche <laughs> enters, and Dorothy uh, uh, tries to have a nice morning in the office. Blanche is being difficult. Dorothy blows her stack. Blanche apologizes, and Dorothy almost starts to cry. They then blow kisses at one another. Poor Mr. Allen misses all of this, um, but he gives Dorothy a copy of the Blanche appreciation speech. And scene two ends. Well, yeah. Um, my favorite line is in here, so go ahead, Alan. Well, I know there was a part where uh, where Blanche is saying some pretty harsh stuff to her that I don't remember offhand what that was, but it was another one where um, I think Dorothy responds, I'm sorry, flattery won't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she uh, calls her something along the lines of a, a backstabbing. like Jezebel was part yeah. of it, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. No, no good Jezebel. Yeah. And she's like, flattery won't, <laughs> won't do you any yeah. good or something. Yeah. I also got to thinking, like, what kind of shit show was this museum that in mm-hmm. five years Blanche has turned it around so much that it's worth giving a banquet uh-huh. for her. I mean, it's yeah. it's one thing to be like, yeah, in recognition here is this plaque because mm-hmm. of what you've done, but to throw a banquet in her honor mm-hmm. for someone who's only worked there for five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've worked at my current job for eight years and... Um, no banquets on yeah, the horizon? Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> not even, even a, a pizza party? Yeah, not even a whip, not in my honor. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I guess I could, you know, convince myself that when they have, yeah. you know, like a catered breakfast. Uh, one, of, one of my best friends, well, yeah, he's been one of my best friends at work. Yeah. He uh, left. He actually started at the place before I started there, like many, many years ago. I left, came back, and he just left within, I'd say, the last couple of months. And uh, they didn't do anything for him. Like, mm-hmm. he... he Probably would have even stayed if they had fought for him to stay. Yeah. But, uh, like, I ended up buying him a cake because I didn't want him to just have to leave with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, I thought it was kind of cold of our employers. Trying to think out of all the jobs that I have been at, um, let's see, my most re- the job that I worked at with Brent, they more or less went out of business. Um, and so they didn't completely go out of business, but they reduced it to, yeah, you know, you were one of many. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so there was nothing, nothing special done at the end of that one. The job I went to from that downsized, they didn't, you know, go out of business, but uh, they downsized and there was, I want to say three or four people from our team that were uh, part of that. And again, there was nothing yeah. done at that one. And then post that is where I'm currently at mm-hmm. and I haven't left yet. And yeah. like I said, no banquets have been thrown for me putting in, I guess almost nine years at this point. Yeah. But I will say there was one time, uh, my, f- I guess it wasn't my first job, but when I was, I don't know, 18, I think, I worked at McDonald's. I started working at McDonald's for, mm-hmm. I worked there for four years altogether mm-hmm. and, you know, worked my way up through the ranks as, as yeah. you know, one. If you don't work your way up through the ranks at McDonald's after four years, then, <laughs> you know, you yeah. really should not feel good about yourself uh, as far as your employee <laughs> skills. But, um, but when I left there, now me and another manager were leaving at the same time. Mm-hmm. And normally kind of the tradition there was that you would go out to eat, um, like with the other managers, like they'd have some at a different McDonald's. What's that? At a different McDonald's. No, they would actually <laughs> do it to an actual, an actual sit down restaurant. If you're part of the management team and you were leaving. Um, but I was really a man of the people there. Um, mm-hmm. I was like the training manager at the time and, they loved uh, you there. Yeah, they they really you did. You had I an mean, awesome crew, though. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and it was at it was at IU, like on their yeah. So I mean, it was like all people. They were 
or not all, but a lot of people that were close to my age at the time and all that. So uh, when I was leaving, I was like, well, I'd rather us do something for the store if we could. Mm -hmm. And so we went bowling. um, And they bought me a $100 uh, Yoda Lego uh, set that I had out. Or I think it was $150, actually. So so that was kind of, like I said, I can't take full, you know, not credit isn't exactly the word, but um, it wasn't fully just for me. It was something that the other manager agreed on mm-hmm. as like a going away thing. That's yeah. pretty awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was oh. kind of a, somewhat of a, you know, not a banquet exactly, but yeah. a celebration in my honor from yeah. a, from a job. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so the, that was, uh, and you know, and actually now that I think about it, maybe that other manager, I don't know. I, I don't want to detract. I don't want to try to take full credit. I, I can't remember if another manager was leaving or not, but it was definitely my idea to make it for the people, not mm-hmm. just for the yeah. leadership. So yeah. Joe Hill would be proud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're a wobbly at heart. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I still Wait stand by that. Open the mail. I mean, I think. I, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I don't, but I didn't turn that store around. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it still went out of business. <laughs> yeah, I think they're still going strong. <laughs> But uh, very few McDonald's probably go out of business in this country. Yeah, yeah not, <laughs> not in the good old U.S. of A. We keep our fast food restaurants uh, going. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that that ended whichever scene you're on, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but uh, that was my favorite line though: the Jezebel and Flattery won't do any good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Act Two, Scene Three's uh, in the Golden's living room. Uh, Dorothy and Sophia are playing some cards. Blanche enters and calls Dorothy trash. Sophia doesn't take Connie to somebody else being critical of Dorothy. And she tells Blanche what's what. Uh, Beans are spilled. Blanche and Dorothy make up again. And Blanche says she'll fake surprise at the banquet, just like she's faked being a virgin many, many, many times. I think she just said over half a dozen times. Still. I don't know. I don't think that many, many, many. I think one many would be enough. I think three many's is a little much. Okay. Well, to be fair, in my written remarks here, I only have many, many times. Oh, okay. So (laughs) So the other one was just you ad-libbing. Exactly. (laughs) Improvise. Right. Spirit of the fish. Yeah. Um, and that's the the band fish people, not the sitcom fish that spun off from Barney Miller. <laughs> well, Although fish do have a song about that. Fish. All I have to say to that is "Long Live Billy Joel." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no talent hack. <laughs> so, uh, so Rose returns and says that Inky's been returned to his owners. Um, it's cool. Uh, she's brought home a whole new litter of dogs. Um, it's not established whether she has enough cartoon dog voices for all of them, or if she's just going to recycle Inky's for all of them. All right. And then Act Two, Scene Four. Anything else for the scene before we move on? Oh, I just uh, again one more time, Dorothy. Uh, you know when, when Blanche is, I can't remember exactly how Blanche words it, um, but you know talking about how bad that she feels about things, mm-hmm. and you know basically that she felt bad that uh, you know any idiot could walk in and, and do, do the job. job. Yeah, that she'd been doing for five years. And then Dorothy says, and you were afraid that you couldn't find the right words to apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that was my favorite line of the episode, which, you know, was there was a lot of good ones this episode. Too, yeah. But I like the, the version yeah. better. Right. Yeah. Actually, I guess that's the end of the show. There's okay. no other scene. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, ends with those dogs running in, which yeah. I thought it was odd. Yeah, yeah. When, how do they explain this one off? There's yeah. a lot of loose ends in the Golden Girls universe <laughs> that never are tied up. What I don't get is like, so apparently the first dog was some sort of a rescue type thing and they right. whatever. And so she got these dogs from the animal shelter. 
Okay, but if you're running the animal shelter before you give a half a dozen dogs to somebody, <laughs> you should ask, have you ever bred minks in your garage <laughs> <Right>. for coats? Because <laughs> well, that's just some Cruella de Vil shit right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and up to this point, Dorothy has not at all shown a, a softness to, to dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's personally had like a, a love in her heart, but she hasn't admitted it to anyone right. except Which, for the dog himself. That whole thing is odd, too, that it's like she has this disdain and hatred because she loved a dog at one point and mm-hmm. the dog died yeah. is essentially what it boils down to, and she'll never open up her heart again to uh-huh. another dog. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, like... If Sophia would have followed that logic, her and Tashiro never would have done it on the couch. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so there's there's that aspect that's odd. And then also, Rose has had no reason to believe at this point that Mm -hmm. Blanche or Dorothy had warmed up to the dog Mm -hmm. or or were okay with the idea. And she would have had to have taken that dog, Inky, dropped him off, you know, whatever the actual family he belonged to, then made a trip to the shelter mm-hmm. after that yeah. to then pick up these four or however many it was additional yeah. dogs to bring back to the house. Um, on, on just the hope that everyone would be cool with that. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and like you said, I mean, should they have a hit? Now, maybe she was planning to make coats. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe we just don't know the... <laughs> Don't know the full story. I'm, I'm betting in next episode we don't see those dogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we don't. And that's the thing. I mean, like, best case scenario for Rose, one of those dogs strikes the fancy of Dorothy or whatever. But she still has, you know, the other four or five, whatever, to take back and be right. like, yep, these are the ones you're going to euthanize. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she helped find homes for them, too, I guess. Could be. They, but... they could almost pass that off if there was some kind of follow-up. But I'm sure there won't be. <laughs> I'm sure they'll just be like, oh, yeah, there's this one episode where Rose brings a whole bunch of dogs yeah. home. And there was no explanation. Yeah. But, yeah, it was that was an odd an odd part of it. And I thought it was weird, too, that it was funny that, you know, when Dorothy admits, you know, that she was kind of sad that the dog owned, she's like, that's dog love in your eyes, which I don't know. I feel like that. I don't know if there's a specific glint in someone's eyes that indicates dog love versus any other kind of love, but um, I don't know. I think you probably spot bestiality on somebody. <laughs> oh, you can maybe smell it on them. Um, <laughs> when you smell the smell of the canine and sex at the same, you know, mm-hmm. odor, then yeah, you know, there may be some uh, questionable hanky panky going on, some crimes against uh, nature. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> some morals charged stuff right. going on. Yeah. <laughs> So, Ski, uh, who is your uh, MVP for this episode? I'm going to go with uh, Dorothy on this one. I thought she was a pretty good friend, even though Blanche went way off the rails several times. Yeah, Dorothy took a lot of shit in this episode and handled it very well. She handled it even better than Blanche usually handles being called, mm-hmm. uh, you know, called out for her loose morals. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Dorothy... Dorothy was a clear winner for MVP for me this episode. Hmm. How about you? I think you're both wrong. Um, It was Rose and her cartoon dog voice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, no, actually, like I said at the beginning, it's Inky. Oh, okay. So, so Inky is who gets your actual vote for this one? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, it's one of those things that... Inky showed up, called a shot, you know, he even got drunk one time, then retired. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's like, I reached perfection the first time out. I don't need to. So is that way I haven't seen you pop up yet in a, an acting role? Because you're just waiting for that one <laughs> exactly. to come in and out on and retire a legend? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just waiting for that one perfect opportunity. A one-hit wonder. <laughs> so, Ski, who would be, uh, or what would, how many slices of cheesecake would you give this episode? I'm going to give it a four. 
Four? Okay, fair enough. Um, I like parts of the story, but... Uh, well, I know you're never a big fan of it when there's a lot of conflict between the girls. Um, it, that seems like that's something that generally is... Because I know oftentimes you'll give your MVP to whoever resolved the conflicts. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're a peace-loving man, to be sure. How about you, Brent? How many slices did this one get for you? Um, three. Three? Two and a half. Two and a half. I mean, if you're giving it to the dog, then... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that it's, at some point you think they would have said, you know, Mr. Allen is not living right. <laughs> you right. Know? I mean, he's done some... Qu- not even questionable. He's done some bad stuff to Blanche. Right. And she's like, boys will be boys. You know, this is the price I pay for working in a museum. But now, do we know bad stuff he's done to Blanche? Groping. He, she does yeah. say groping. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're at the right. Christmas party. I mean, but like, to she Blanche is that professor, you know, make a few harmless jokes. <laughs> that was a victimless crime. <laughs> but this yeah. dude gets to get to third base or whatever. Well, he's her boss. <laughs> just... Did you say the the professor made some harmless jokes? Yeah, I thought he propositioned her. Yeah, to to get a good no, grade. No, no. no, she propositioned him, and he's like, well, "I'm down." And then she's like, "Well, I changed my mind." And he's like, "Oh I don't no, remember it that way." Yeah, nobody <laughs> does. Check the transcript. <laughs> I, I got the papers here. I got the papers here. You know, I think that Brent has flip flopped on this issue more times than we've seen cheesecake to this point. So, <laughs> so. Well, I liked the episode overall. I don't think it was one of the greatest, um, but I but I definitely enjoyed it. And like I said, I thought Dorothy shined for sure. Um, so I think I'm going to give it five slices of cheesecake. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was a little above average, but certainly not a contender for, for the best of the best. So My problem, I think, was actually more or less the ending. Oh. <laughs> like I thought like they, they just ended it with those dogs going in. Like, how did that... Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we'll assume that they went the same road or the same route as the minks, and you know, <laughs> once episode ten starts up, we can assume they're all dead. So, but anyways, uh, I guess with that, uh, stay golden, Mister Coco. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's Choice Podcast at Gmail you can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.